God, we want to thank you for your participation in our our relief drive to the Bahamas. Uh, Prayerfully, if everything goes well, the truck will be leaving from our warehouse to the warehouse in North Carolina, and from there it will be en route to Florida so that it will be able to get on the aircraft. And so we thank and we praise God for those um, doors of opportunity being open. Uh, We're excited about it. Uh, Right now we're looking at maybe possibly 15 to 17 pallets of food and supplies that will be going over to those that were affected by Hurricane um, Doreen. So we're thankful for the giving of the people and the hearts of people. It's, it's amazing how God will do things the way he does because when you think about the, the, the smallness of, of, of the ministry, when you think about the bigness of our God, it, it just really excites me about what the Lord is doing. I, I'm just I'm just amazed. I guess that's the word I can use. I'm just amazed. I'm just amazed, Sister Joan, what the Lord is doing and how he is putting on the hearts of people to be a blessing uh, to others. We, we don't know ourselves when we're going to be affected, but God knows. And by what we do to help others, we never know when someone else is going to come and help us. So we're thankful. We're thankful and grateful for that. We're thankful and grateful for being in contact with pastors from the Bahamas, and they are looking forward. Uh, this will be the fourth load that will go to the Bahamas. Amen. So we're thankful and we're grateful for the presence of the Lord and what he is doing. Amen. We serve a big, 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 big God. Amen. Amen. And a great God. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap of praise for his word. Amen. Good morning, church. Amen. Let's give God some praise in the house. Let's give him some praise one more time. Testing, one, two, three. Testing. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I must decrease while you increase in me, Father God. I pray that the ears and the spirits be open to this word today, Father God. And I just bless you this morning in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. amen. Let the church say amen. amen. <clears throat> Here we are today on this beautiful Sunday morning. I think it's the last Sunday in uh, September, if I'm correct. And I'm just thankful that the Lord has made it possible for me to be here just one more time. Our message today is about sin, and the title is Sin, the Spirit of Death. In Romans, and we having difficulties, uh, I'm trying to get this screen, it's a new television, and I'm still trying to work with it to get the widescreen screen opened on it. Uh, nevertheless, we're here. We're shorthanded in the audio-video room today, but God knows. The Bible says in Romans, so we won't be able to put the scriptures up today. But for those of you who have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23. Book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 23, reads as thus. 
for the wages or payoff of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Sin carries a spirit of death in it. And the wages or the payoff of sin, the Bible says, is death. Now, death comes in many ways, spiritually, physically, soulfully, and every other kind of way. Sin carries this spirit of death, and the wages of it, of this sin, is death. And we're going to go, and we're going to connect the Old Testament with the New Testament and get us to understand that when God gives us the revelations from above, there's no difference in the old than it is in the new. We just have to know what it is that we're looking at and how to decipher it. And the only way that we can do that is through God's will and God's revelation and his Holy Spirit. So let's go to Exodus, Exodus, the 17th chapter, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 6, and then we're going to start dissecting this, okay? When you get there, say amen, please. Amen. Amen. In Exodus chapter 17, starting at verses 1, it says, And all, not some, but all the congregation of the children of Israel, speaking to us, journeyed from the wilderness of sin. After their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide ye with me? Wherefore do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people. Take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock of Horeb, and thou shalt smit the rock, and there shall water, or there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. May God have a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. In this journey, people, from the wilderness of sin, we ourselves, all the congregation, must journey from this wilderness because this wilderness of sin is a representation of thorns and Thickets, the things of the world that 
carries us and traps us and keeps us from getting to where it is that God would have us to go, not ourselves. So as we, as the church, as the people of Israel, as we begin to journey from sin, from this wilderness, you know how it was when you were in the world and you were completely trapped in it? You were in that wilderness. That word sin there means thorns and thickets. You know those things that trap us and keep us from getting to the place where we need to be. You see, we're on a journey, people. We're not there yet. We're on a journey. And God in his word today is going to show us what it is that we're going through and what it is that the enemy is trying to do to us to keep us from getting to that place where we need to be. So as they journeyed from the wilderness of sin after the commandment of the Lord, you see, when we get saved, God commands us to move away from sin. And as we get away from sin, little by little, we become untrapped from the things that kept us in sin. Now, some things take longer than others for us to to become untrapped from. But nevertheless, God expects us to continue to move, to continue to move. No matter what it looks like, he wants us to continue to move because if we ever stop, then those thorns and those thickets, they're going to destroy us completely. Remember, sin carries a spirit of death in it. Amen? So here we are as Israel, and we're moving. And, you know, along the way, as we go forth to that next level and stuff, we need to rest, correct? Now, these people aren't out of sin yet, and neither are we. We're not out of sin yet, but we're not as bad or trapped as we used to be. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. So here we are, and we take a a resting place. And in this resting place, it's known as Rephidim. It's a place where there is no water, meaning that there is no refreshing, you know. Now, have you ever been on your journey, and you decided that you would just take a break, like a lot of church folk do? They figure, well, I'm going to take a break. And they take this break in a place called Rephidim. You know, a place where there is no water. That, could, that place could be your job. That place could be something out in the world that's got you trapped. You know, you just figure you'll revisit it sometime. And you'll find that there's no water there. It wasn't nothing then, and it was none now. You see, you got to understand that they were journeying from sin, but they weren't out of it yet. Rephidim, a place of no water, means that they're at a place, they're resting in a place where there is no refreshment, you know. You know, we seek these things of the world, these new houses, these new cars, more bigger money on the job and stuff. And we think that that's going to give us rest and water or refreshing, but it only traps us back. It only takes us back. You see, the only refreshing that we have is in Christ Jesus. There's just no other way than that. Amen? So here we are in verse 2. The people begin to make an uproar toward leadership. You see, sometimes that spirit that's in you has 
to take on a leadership spirit whereby that other thing that's in you wants to chide against it. In other words, it wants to strive against it. You know, you the spirit tell you to go one way, but it's another thing in you to say, no, you got us out here and, and, and I'm going to take a rest because I don't want to go no further right now. So because you don't want to go any further right now, there you are and there I am in a place resting, but there's no water there. There's no refreshing there. There's no water in a whole lot of money. There's no water in new cars. There's no water in a new house. See, all that stuff will pass away. But that's the stuff that we think that we can rest in. Come on, y'all. But we find every time that it's never satisfying. It's never satisfying. We get a new car, and after a while, it, am I right about it? We get, a, we get a new car. You know, when we first get it, you know, we want to keep it clean and spotless. And then after a while, we don't care whether it go two weeks dirty or not. There's no water in it. There's no refreshing in it. Am I right about it? We get a new girl or the women get a new man or whatever, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, everything is all right. And then we find out there's no water here either. Amen. Come on, y'all. So we find ourselves going back to God eventually. But here's what happens when we find ourselves chiding against the spirit of leadership. The spirit of leadership doesn't chide back at them. It takes it to God. And once it takes it to God, you see, what we find is that verse 4 says, Moses cried unto the Lord. He didn't cry to the people. He didn't cry to anybody else. He cried to the Lord. Who are you crying to today? I was back there praying just a minute ago in the back of this church, and I'm crying to the Lord. Lord, help me. Help me to stand here today. Give this word. Give me the strength that I need to do what it is that I need to do for your people, you know, because it's a heavy burden. And sometimes I walk around like I'm in some kind of space zone. That's because of so much going on and so much thing. I be at work, and sometimes I just have to walk and say hello to somebody because God has me. He, he's the one who has me walk, you know. He's the one. And when he say move, I move and try to get a revelation from him. Amen. So Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto these people? They fixed me, kill me, stone me to death. And verse 5, God begins to give instructions. The first thing God does in verse 5 is, He said, Get away from the people. <laughs> huh? See, sometimes you've got to withdraw yourself. Sometimes the burden of the people. And all they complaining and all they non-commitment, you know, all of that sometimes can bear on you in leadership. So here it is, sometimes that spirit in you, that leadership spirit in you, do you know the one, as many are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God, that spirit. Sometimes we ourselves go against it, Amen. And we have to separate ourselves. The spirit has to separate itself and get some revelations from the Lord. It said, now, you go on before the people. In other words, you, you need to detach yourself for a minute. And 
after you detach yourself. See, he's giving instructions here. He's giving instructions here. Continuing on in verse 5, he says now, and I want you to take with you who? The elders of Israel. How many of y'all know that in the council or in the multitude of council dwell safety? He didn't say take anybody. He said take the elders of Israel. In other words, you take some counsel that you can depend on. You just don't take any kind of counsel. You have to take counsel that you can depend on. So he takes, he gets away from the people, he takes proper counsel with him. And when he takes this proper counsel with him, not only that, he takes that same rod, that same power that he used to open the Red Sea. The Sea of Reeds, as they call it. That's another place that will hold you back if you don't get it open. In order for you to walk through, something has to open up. So God says here, I need you to take that same rod that you smoked the river, take it in your power, your hand, and go. God wants us to take that power that he has given us and move with it. That's why Pastor Brenda was speaking this morning about how great a God we have. Because God is able to do miraculous things that we ourselves could never do alone. We're doing things right now in the world that the biggest of churches don't do. Simply because we've taken that power of God, that rod, placed it in our hands, and we used it. To go means to use it. There's no need to have it if we're not going to use it. It's no need to have God's power if we're not willing to use it. So he says, now go. And God gives another instruction. He said, now I'm going to stand on my mountain upon the rock. That rock is Christ Jesus, y'all. In Horeb. Word Horeb means a desert. See, they were in that area where there was no water. But wherever God is, God can bring water. How many of y'all know that? I don't care about how dry the season is. It doesn't matter in your life. If you trust God, if you believe God, if you honor God, God will make it happen. In his own time, he said, I make all things do. That's what he said. That's not what I said. That's what he said. Mm -hmm. So it goes on. And we see Moses did what was told to do. But here's something <laughs> I want you to understand. This next little sippet here. And thou shalt smite the rock. You know what that word smite there? Y'all see that in the Bible? Verse 6. About the middle of that verse. I mean, chapter, chapter, chapter 17, verse 6. It said, and thou, this is instruction. He's telling Moses, Moses is the lawgiver. He's telling Moses, and thou shalt smite the rock. That word smite there means to kill. Who was Moses killing? Jesus. The rock. You see, I keep telling you, it's all the same. All throughout. You just got to know from up top what God is talking about here. We know Christ is the rock. He tells Moses to 
Hit that rock. Kill it. Because I'm going to bring water from it. Do you not know that that water of refreshing was the blood being shed? That's why I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's why God showed me. That's why when Moses, the next time they needed water, Moses thought that God wanted him to do the same thing when he said, must we give water to ye rebels? And he hit that rock again. He killed Christ all over again, Minister Marcellette. That's why he didn't make it into the promised land. Because it, the law never could take us in. The law never was able to bring us through the Jordan River, which is the spiritual stream of life, and bring us to that place. Because, see, actually, before the law was fulfilled, the law was weak because of the flesh, because we can't do it. That's what the Bible said. So he strikes, he kills Christ, you see. It's a signal of what's to be. He hits that rock. He kills that rock. Blood comes out, which they call water. Water means refreshing. Does not the blood of Jesus Christ through salvation refreshes us? How many times have we had to go to Jesus Christ to get refreshed? But you see something? There's a problem here. There's a very... I'm not going to be with you long today. There's a very serious problem problem here. Mm-hmm. Very serious problem. I want you to look at Hebrews 6.6. 6. <clears throat> Book of Hebrews 6.6. 6. Help me know. It says, if they shall fall away. Are you there? Hebrews 6, 6. It says, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh. That means again. And put him to open shame. See, that's what Moses did when he hit that rock again later on in Exodus, when they ran up on the same situation again, no water, and the people started murmuring again because you know church folk will murmur. When th- you know, they will do that. As long as everything is going all right, ain't everybody happy. But just as soon as hard times come and you need that refreshing, we began to murmur. We began to murmur about leadership. We began to murmur about God. You know, we begin to do that. If we're not careful, we'll get caught up in that, and it'll cause us a whole lot a problem. But as we go on to verse 8 in the book of Exodus, I want you to see something here that's very important. Amalek, that word Amalek means to lick up the blood. Listen to me, church. He's a blood licker. And any time you can lick up the blood off of a person's life, they're uncovered. His job is to uncover us and to leave us to the open elements 
of destruction and sin. Amen? That's his job. He sees, Amalek sees what Moses does because we're dealing spirit to spirit here. He sees Christ. He sees him crucified. He sees the water or the blood coming out. Water and blood here means the same thing, refreshing. He sees it. And then the Bible says in verse 8, look who's coming, Amalek. You see, just as soon as God sees or Amalek sees that you're covered by the blood and you're being refreshed, here he comes. He's coming. He's coming. And he's going to fight with you where? In a place where there is no water. Look at the scripture. He's going to fight you in a place where you're down and out, where you're depressed, where you're broke, where you're uncomfortable in life, where you're fired off your job, where they're working you too hard, where you're trying to get this and you're trying to get that and you're trying to get this and ain't nothing working in a place where there's no water. Here comes Amalek. And when Amalek comes, what Amalek is trying to do is catch you in a place where you're down and out where he can uncover you. Well, here he is. When you're weak. But notice what Moses says in verse 9. Like I say, I'm not going to be long. Moses in verse 9 says unto Joshua, Joshua hears the same thing that means Savior. Amen? So he's a type of Christ here. Savior is his word. He says, I need you to choose us out men. Choose us out men. Don't take just anybody when you're going to fight. When you're going to war, you got to take some people who are willing to fight with you. Amen? Because some people can't be depended on. And you do not want to be caught up in a place where you're doing battle and you ain't got good counsel with you. I want you to see something back up here in verses 7 or verses 6 where he hits that rock. See, he didn't allow the whole congregation to see what was going on. He didn't allow it. But what he did was, didn't nobody see it, but the counsel that he had with him, because the other people were in disbelief. You see, it, we can't do and allow everybody to see what we do at House of Destiny. Only those who are capable of being and of giving good counsel. Those who are committed to the cause of house of destiny for the Lord. Amen. So in the sight of the elders, did he do this secret thing that was yet to be? You see. The reason because of that is because them other cronies, all they were doing were in disbelief and arguing. And the worst thing that you can do when you're trying to get a miracle is to be in the midst of unbelievers. Did you hear what I said? Being in the midst of unbelievers will deter your operation. You have to be very careful. So he only did what he did 
when he struck or killed that rock and caused it to flow, he only did it in the sight of Israel. And then Amalek came, and verse 9 says, Now I need for you to choose out some men, Joshua, the Savior, and I need you to go out and I need for you to fight with Amalek. But he didn't send him out right then. He said, Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Now watch this now. We're dealing with the spirit of the law here, right? Moses is the lawgiver, spirit of the law. That's what we're dealing with right here. He tells him to go down and fight. But he didn't say go right then. He said tomorrow. We're going to do this thing tomorrow. Why? Because tomorrow means after you've been refreshed in your next season. See, he had to have time to get those people prepared and refreshed for the fight. Because he didn't have no water. Remember, people, you, you, you ever tried to go fight and you thirsty or you hungry? You'll get the dog beat out of you. I fought a guy one time about 6'3", big old boy, and I was hungry, and it didn't turn out that well, but I survived because I was hungry. But if I hadn't have been hungry, I might have took him. I might have. But when you're hungry, you don't need to go out and try to fight. You don't need to do that. So he said, now on the morrow... After you become refreshed, I'm going to stand on top of the hill, amen, with the power of God, the rod of God in my hand. You see, now we see Jesus down low fighting for us. But he's fulfilled the law. Now the law is up top. Amen? Y'all catching it? Y'all watch this. And I'm going to have the power of God in my hand because now the law has been fulfilled and the fight is on. So verse 10 says, So Joshua did as Moses had said to him. He fought Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up to the top of the hill. Here it goes. Aaron means the brightness or the glory of God. Ur means to be pulled out of a hole. You see, the enemy, I don't care when the enemy is going to fight. I don't care whether it's the Philistines that fighting you, which is that means that you're rolling in the dust. That means you're caught up in the flesh. I don't care what it is. The enemy is never going to fight you on the mountaintop. He's always going to try to get you down in the valley in your low spot. He's not going to fight you up there on top. He's not going to do it. He's always trying to get Israel <coughs> to come down. Come down. Come down. Come down on my turf. And what we do is we come down on his turf and we get towed up a lot of times. But Christ is down there fighting with us. Watch this word. So Joshua did as Moses had said, verse 10. And we got Moses up there, spirit of the law. We've got the glory of God up there, the brightness, Aaron. And we've got the pulling up out of a hole, Aaron. They went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, and it will. When Moses held up his hand, that Israel, they were winning the war. Mm -hmm. See, as long as we allow through grace for the law to be upheld in us, we're going to win this war. Moses held up his hand in verse 11, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, watch this, Amalek 
prevail. When we allow the spirit of Amalek to lick that blood off us, make us weak, you know when you lose blood, you get weak. When you lose your covering, you get weak too, whether you realize it or not. That's why God say don't forsake to assemble yourselves together. But in this new thing they got in here, this thing called millennial or whatever it is, I call them ignorant. We all want to put a label on something. Them millennials, man, they off chain. Because they think that they don't have to fail and shit. They think they just stay home, plait their hair, get on Facebook, do all that old stupid stuff. But, but they don't understand. That their old blood being licked off them. And ain't nothing going right for them. They still in misery. They still in pain. At least we got Jesus. And we got each other in the fellowship. What we're going through. Can I get a witness? At least we got that. What about when you out there on the island by yourself? You in bad shape. Right or wrong? Mm-hmm. So, when the hand is up, we win. When the hand is down, Amalek wins. But here it is, verse 12. But Moses' hands were heavy. Sometimes this thing gets heavy on us, trying to live right for the Lord. Amen? Sometimes it gets heavy. But this is what they did. The brightness of God, Aaron, and the one that's pulling us up out the whole earth. They took a stone, which is a spiritual thought, and they put it under Moses, the spirit of the law. And he sat thereon. That means that he was dwelling in grace because he had that spiritual thought of grace in him. He, they took it, he began to dwell in the spirit of grace because now the law was fulfilled by way of grace. And Aaron and Er stayed up his hand. How many of y'all know that it's the glory of God and Er, the pulling us up out of that hole that's going to allow the spirit of the law through grace to be upheld in us? In other words, we're going to have to learn how to dwell in grace. We're going to have to learn how to be still and know that God is God. We're going to have to, we're just going to have to learn how to understand that worrying is not going to do us any good at all to worry about anything. So here's God's word. <laughs> oh, boy. He says, now look here. And Aaron and Earth stayed up his hand, and one on one side, and the other on the other. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And then came verse 13. And Joshua, he discomfited Amalek. That means he whooped him. And his people with the edge of the sword. Now watch this. This is Jesus. Now, Revelation says that out of his mouth shall come like a two-edged sword, the word of God, and it will destroy the enemy. 
Look at Hebrews 4.12. And I'm just about done. Look at Hebrews 4.12. The book of Hebrews 4.12. Talking about this sword. Joshua discomforted Amalek with the edge of the sword, which was the word of God. If we're going to do it, it's going to be by way of the word of God. Amen, church? It's not going to be by our own power. Our own power is weak, people. I'm sorry. Anytime you trust in the flesh, you're done. You're just straight up done. We carry this old cross of flesh around every day, and sometimes it gets heavy. Sometimes it gets hard. We get weary fighting sometimes, you see. And we've got to understand that even though we'll fight it, you see, Moses was up there on that hill. But we have to understand that sometimes we can be in that valley and we can be fighting so much and rolling around trying to hang with this fellow spirit called Amalek until we don't have time to look up. Have you anybody been there? And we don't have time to look up. That's the same as Moses' hand being down. And guess who wins? Amalek. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everybody, a child can understand that. Sometimes we're fighting down in the dust so hard that we don't have time. Because we're fighting so hard down here, we don't have time to look up because we're scared that if we take our eyes off what we're trying to fight here, that this thing will really take us down. Not knowing that if we can just glance, that automatically the Joshua spirit, the Savior, comes into play. And it works on us. So Amalek was destroyed, discomforted by the edge of the sword. Hebrews 6. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Are we there? Let me see if I got that. For the word of God is quick, mm, it's powerful, and watch this, and sharper than any two-edged sword. So much that that sword, that word that discomforted Amalek, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. In my clothing, people, I want you to understand that this thing called sin is a very dangerous thing. People, I know. It carries a spirit of death in it. It has you and makes you unproductive in the Lord. That's why we need each other. We do really need one another. A man that's left to his own device is a man that will destroy his own self. We need the counsel of God in our life. Good counsel. We need men of wisdom and women of wisdom around us to give us, not to judge us, come on people, but to help us. 
to help us. I need help probably more than any of y'all. Just because I'm the apostle over this house, just because Brenda is the senior pastor over this house, that don't mean nothing. Just because I got ministers and deacon, deaconesses up in here, that don't mean nothing. They need each other. We all need each other to make it through this thing. Because this thing will kill us. It'll kill us. But as long as we were able to look up, no matter how hard the fight is, and that thing, get, it get hard sometimes. It get hard sometimes, people. It get hard in life sometimes. It get hard on them jobs sometimes. It get hard. And you feel like you can't make another step. But you got to call on Jesus. Because somewhere down in there, we in Rephidim where there is no water. But in that same place, if we can get to that kingdom of God inside of us and just get a glimpse of it. We can get some water. We can get refreshed. And God will take care of our soul. Amen? Amen. Give God some praise in the house. <laughs> Sister Brennan, come on up. the people of God. I get refreshed because I draw strength from the people of God. Amen. Amen. That was a very, very, very powerful word. We are thankful and we are grateful for the word of God this morning. Amen. Because I tell you, I've, you know, sometimes, not sometimes, most times in, in ministering, um, you know, it gets hard, you know, when you're dealing with your own self and other people and, and you're trying to give counsel to others. Once you start giving counsel to somebody else, I mean, you're going to need somebody to come back and counsel you. I mean, that's the way it goes. 